Before anything else, we have to, we have to do a Gentile check. Are there any Gentiles in the audience? Besides the one we Wait, asked to be here today. There's, there's two right there. Let's hear it up for, give it Yay. up for the Gentiles. Um, this is a really, really safe space for, for the Gentiles. Um, so um, I actually didn't have a chance to do the obscenity warning before the show. Does, does one of you want to give the obscenity warning? Do we have a volunteer of someone who just like to say, there'll be a lot of swearing, beware. You could introduce yourself. You could, do I have a volunteer? Oh, come on. Yeah? Okay, we've oh, got wow. an insanity warning person up there. The least convenient person That's to, right. get, to have <laughs> participate. All right, now be creative with this, okay? This is going out to about 14 million people in 30 countries. All right, what's your name? Well, you'll do it. You'll tell us your name and you'll give an insanity. Well, let's see, this is your debut. Hey, my name's Josh. Uh, I'm a new listener. And just wanted to let you guys know that there's going to be some not-so-nice words. So if that offends you, you might want to turn this off right now. Yeah, all right. Thank you. What an an amazing... Josh, you're amazing. (laughs) That was the authenticity, the realness. It was so raw. Yeah. So God, it was so real. Can you raise your hand if, like, you know me and you're here for me? Right. We You're sold, welcome, like, guys. We sold 12 tickets and Stephanie's engaged. That's basically the... That got the gold chase? Oh, my God. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm getting married in September. You guys might not know that. <laughs> we really have to figure out what the sort of running plot line is after you get married. There's nothing. Either the... Mi- There's nothing. I would say this. You may have more fans, but mine are armed. So... <laughs> Congratulations. Um, so here's what we're going to do is, um, we're going to, I'm going to give the intro and then you'll, I'll point at you when I need lots of applause and then we'll sort of get going. We have, uh, our amazing guests. We have lots of fun stuff, but you're going to hear all about that in the intro. So, um, I'm going to, the, the, here's your assignment for now. When I say hello, JCC Manhattan, you guys are going to go just like insane. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Hello, JCC Manhattan. This is a live show of Unorthodox, the world's leading Jewish podcast based on any metric you choose. I am your host, Mark Oppenheimer. I'm feeling very live. I'm feeling like I'm feeding off the audience energy. This is an extrovert's dream. This is like, I will be here all week. I'm joined as ever by tablet deputy editor, Stephanie Butnick. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. You should say fan favorite, Stephanie Butnick. Fan favorite. Fan favorite, Stephanie Butnick. And we're also joined by tablet senior writer, Liel Leibowitz. Hello, hello. Our Jew of the Week is political prognosticator Harry Enten of 538.com. And our Gentile of the Week is Harun Mogul, author of How to Be a Muslim. And there are going to be special Jews, extra special Jews of the Week coming from the audience. Some of you are also going to be Jews of the Week, so be prepared. Um, what, what's up, Jews? What's up with you? Well, funny you should ask. What did Leo. you do this week, so, Mark? Um, I picked up Rebecca from Camp Ramah. Which OMG. was fun. OMG. And she's been nothing. Was it four weeks? It was four weeks. So she did two weeks. She did the mini session the first time. And since then, she's been back for four weeks. The next three times this is her fourth summer. And as we were driving away, she said, I'm just not ready to go home. Which was like sweet and heartbreaking. And um, she's been saying things like 40% of my heart is still in Palmer, Massachusetts. <laughs> Which is something said never. Which, in case you needed a paternity test, I don't think you do now. <laughs> I don't. That is Pete He's like, no, I'm from Springfield. Remember yeah. Springfield? Springfield. And um, she, but, but the funny thing about pickup was that the parking lot, you know, people, those of you who've done camp pickup, right? They say, be here, not, we will open the gates at 10 a.m. And so all of these cars are lining like the small country road starting at, you know, 7.40 a.m. And I got there, let's just say not early. And so I'm way, way backed up on rural route, whatever, in Massachusetts. And then you file in, and there was, like, armed security there because we live in such times, and they slot you into certain little slots. And then I got out, and just the line of Priuses was so long. It was just just Prius, 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 Prius. Then there were the Honda Odyssey minivans, and then there's the one asshole with the Cadillac. And it's like, dude, you didn't... The Escalade. Yeah, it was like, you didn't get the memo. Yeah. We're, like, we're, we're, we're tamping it down these days. We're not doing... We're not doing the caddy anymore. It's like... He was from the wrong. He was from the right side of the tracks in early Philip Roth. He was, he was, he was a Potemkin, and nobody told him Potemkins are out. He was making America great again. He was basically making. America great. And he probably had one of those like designer dogs in the car with him. He had a designer dog, and his wife like wore makeup on pickup day. You are 
are so ridiculous. I'm just saying that. I was you who is who's judging people there. I was being judged. You're the judger. Anyway, but it was so pleasurable because it was like I went from judging them. So I like judge, judge, judge. See Rebecca jumps. Into and Rebecca's my arms. like, my best friend is here. Look, that's her dad by the Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to stay at their house tonight. Rich, rich friends are important for that. Yeah. Like they're important for you know. Stay Why we over all there. go to camp? You'll learn bad values and get to swim. And I'm willing to make that trade-off. And their values are so bad that they actually like don't wait 30 minutes to swim after, after they've eaten. Yeah. That's right. And they swallow their they're chewing monsters. gum. That's, they're monsters. How are your kids doing in camp? So I see uh, your camper ma. Yeah. And I raise you, if I may get a big heart, uh, round of applause, JCC Manhattan. <laughs> so this place, uh, if, if you come here tomorrow at 8.30, as, as uh, myself or my wife will, uh, you'll, this be place, you'll be signing books tomorrow at 8.30. This place turns... <laughs> This place turns into Game of Thrones. It's amazing. There are like 4,000 barbarians in orange shirts. Like, ah! And is Jenna here? Jenna Singer here? Big round of applause. Uh, Jenna, who's, who's basically like the, the Khaleesi of this business, only instead of dragons, she commands an army of four-year-olds, uh, which is incredible. But my favorite thing about, about walking into this building this last couple of weeks have been uh, since there was a poster of of, of us for this yes. show advertising, you know, this here event, uh, which you may have seen. Now, the photo on this um, on this poster was taken, as far as I'm concerned, about 140 pounds ago. <laughs> and so I walk in, and like huge fat me is looking at me, and I'm thinking, like, is this how like Godzilla feels when she walks into work, like in Tokyo every morning? It's like, oh my god, my my tail looks really huge in this thing. Uh, yeah, I it's can not deal. even you. It's like it's, no, it's, it's two. Like, it's two acts. It's, it's someone who ate me. It's, <laughs> it's great. So we took new photos today. We in did. fact, we got here early, and so for our next show, hopefully the, the ads will reflect Liel. So I have I, like I have to get part fat of again you. Kind that. of likes that, like seeing that image. Yeah, as like a like a motivational thing, well, like as a self fat shaming. I like fat me. Yeah, fat yeah, me was did. fun. He was he was like a little more fun. Yeah, a little, a little less hangry. Yeah. When I met you about three years ago, you were at peak... Leo. Avoir du bois. Peak pulchritude. And you were pulchritude. the... You were the... I feel what, like livestock Isn't now. that it's what awesome. pulchritude means? Stand up. Sure. Turn around. And it was, you were the happiest fat person. Like, you, you owned your fatness more than anyone I've ever I met. I still fucking do. I have no problem with it. If it didn't go with, like, you know, the feeling like you're about to die any moment... <laughs> I would totally be fat. This is not an aesthetic thing. This is like, I want to breathe without going like, yeah, like yeah. You were an inspiration. <laughs> On the to other a end. very, very limited. <laughs> On the other end, when you started losing weight and I said, what's the trick? You're like, I eat less. <laughs> like you, you have none of, you don't partake of fat discourse in the way the discourse usually goes. You're like, when I ate nope. a lot, I was fat. Started eating less, got thinner. That's also such like a guy thing to say. No woman's like, oh yeah, I, yep. I ate less yep. and then I lost so True. how's by you? Um, yeah. Enough of his weight. Enough <laughs> yeah, of enough, his fat. Enough of Eliel. It's time to talk about me. Um, I've had like a pretty busy week. I was on our one of our favorite guests, Nagin Farsad. I was on her podcast, Fake the Nation, on Friday. Um, you could check it out. I was. Um, we were talking about like healthcare and tax reform and like pretty much the usual stuff. Um, and then I also will be on Thursday's episode of Campfires and Color Wars, which is Micah Hart, who was on our camp episode. That's his podcast. And we like... Once you start talking about camp, it goes like to a really deep place. It got like kind of dark for me. So yeah, listen to that. It'll be fun. Um, and most importantly, so last week we talked about Squirrel Girl. Say, this is one of the most amazing things that happened to us. In Squirrel a Girl, time. who is going to be played by that Jewish actress whose name I now forgot. From the at and From the at and commercials. And we were like, what's Squirrel Girl? What does she do? And we like looked it up. What's her superpower? Her superpower is like, whatever. I can't even say that because we got this gift from Amazon. Dear Mark, Stephanie, and Liel, it broke my heart to hear you make fun of Squirrel Girl. I, I think that's how you say it, Squirrel Girl, the greatest superhero of our time. You must not know about the many ways she kicks butts and eats nuts. Adam Polikoff. So Adam Polikoff, the best listener we've ever had, sent us this beautiful book. It's the adventures of, it's basically the unbeatable Squirrel Girl beats up the Marvel Universe. And this is like a very feminist comic book. And she's not like a sexy superhero. She actually like is a squirrel. <laughs> and you guys, we'll pass this around. You guys can read this. It's amazing. So, yeah. I can't even make a, like, guy living in the basement with his parents joke now. I just no, and this so is, like, funny. millennial so lilac. Yeah. It's beautiful. Like, I can't even. 
Yeah. Yeah, you guys have to see Squirrel Girl. So yeah, I'm sorry that we didn't know about Squirrel Girl. Yeah. But Stephanie, is there anything else going on? Like tomorrow, like at 6.30? <laughs> tomorrow I have this like really important Jewish rite of passage, my bride ride at SoulCycle. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Pause. By a show of hands, how many of you, if you heard bride ride, know that it's a soul cycle thing? We Come hands? on now. I mean, it could also Own be flywheel. Not like, that, only ten, only Thank about you. ten of them. It's not, because you were shaming me for not knowing I what a bride ride was. I was not shaming you. You were kind of, you were kind of soul cycle shaming me. shaming yeah. you. That's okay. So basically tomorrow night at 6.30 at the West 92nd Street studio, Julie D will be leading wow. my like spiritual journey to the chuppah, I guess. <laughs> like facilitated by like Cantor, Taylor Swift, and like Rabbi Drake. So will, it's going to be really beautiful. And I feel like I'm really excited. She will put more love on the wheel. This yeah. is the end of Judaism, right? Is that they've now co-opted. That soul cycle now will give you. I mean, it's not the, the end of Judaism. I think there are like other problems. It's the beginning there. of a new. I think it's like the end of like a. Sweatier <laughs> Judaism. You know, you know what's good for Judaism, though, is if we may turn to news of the Jews. Saw you at Stonewall. Which is the new Jewish way <laughs> dating site. It's not Tinder or Grindr. It's it is a it's a site for LGBTQ Jews and Jewesses. Uh, it's an app that features a sliding scale for religiosity and gender and sexual identity, and then it gives you one match at a time. They're specifically chosen for you, just like saw you at Sinai, where there's like a a, a row of of yentas sitting in a <laughs> sitting in a loft in Soho somewhere, saying like, "Let's match those two men or those two women." But I love this because you get one match at a time, and then. The, you know, if it doesn't go well, you have to wait a month to ask for another match, which is That's like the opposite of dating apps, like of every single other one. Everyone's like, we can give you a million matches. This one was like, chill. It slows says, it down. I'm sorry, but your matches for Av already? You have to wait until Elul <laughs> comes in? And, you know, I once met um, Tova Weinberg, who was who is the founder of Saw You at Sinai, and is one of the people who still sits there and is like, and I watched her with her screen of like men and women, and she's clicking on the man and be like, I'll match, and she sends out their matches. And I was wondering, <laughs> you know, she's doing it with like a cup of tea and just sitting there in her bathrobe, just matching people. And just the power that she wielded from her house in Pittsburgh. And there she was in Squirrel Hill making lives. Squirrel, Hull. Squirrel, Squirrel Hill. Hill. Squirrel, Squirrel Hill. Squirrel Girl Hill. And... Somebody's doing that for the LGBTQ Jews somewhere. They're saying so, like, these two boys go together. I these want to start a, a, a new. So we have Soy at Sinai and Soy at Stonewall. I want to start Soyo at Subway, which is for people who really love sandwiches, <laughs> and you just you just match them according to you know toppings and. I thought this was like saw you on the subway when like the F was stuck underground for six hours. Right. And I was like you were too far away in the crowd of people and like. That's a joke that would have been funny if. I had been on the subway since 1990. I remember he doesn't I like do that, subways. Subway is like the, the other subway is such like a cool thing to bring up right now. Like has like the great pitchman and it stuff does. like that. Should we talk about Mikva Peeper Barry Freundel? Would that be a better place to go with this? Sure. There's a new pl- member, Mikva Peeper Barry Freundel. He was the modern Orthodox rabbi in Washington, D.C. who had installed cameras in the Mikvah to <laughs> spy on women. There's a new play about him. It's at the, it's at the Fringe Festival outside Washington, D.C., and, it's um, called Hungry Eyes. And it's a horrible, horrible joke. No, no. It's not even I don't funny. have written down what it is called. Does it's called know? like contentious truths. What yeah. is it? I, it's called like... <laughs> Things not to do when you're a rabbi? <laughs> it's, called... It's, it's, it's basically based... It's him in a jail cell and like the four ghosts of his victims, uh, victims appear. And it's like it's called... Sarah, Rachel, Leah. <laughs> um, the play is called How I Met Someone Else's Mother. I'm really sorry. I apologize. That's another horrible thing. Um, Wonder Woman 2 is in the works. Speaking of comic books, um, it was announced at Comic-Con, which is, what's Comic-Con again? It's a thing in San Diego, right? It's like, yeah, it's like Rosh Hashanah for nerds. Have you been there? <laughs> I, have, I have been to many Comic-Cons, my friend. Do you dress up or no? Um, you know, do we have to talk about <laughs> Yes, what is your... Maybe there was a Star Trek shirt involved. Maybe it hasn't been washed since the 80s. I don't know. Apropos the tricorder in the intro. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's great. Do you hope your kids get that gene? Like, do do your two children have the sci-fi Will fantasy? Will they be nerds? Dweeb nerd. I don't know. Show, I, th- I think the, J- the JCC may kind of, like, make them cooler. It's like, just make, make them, like, more robust. Children. That'd be a shame. Yeah. I just spent all my days, you know, just watching TV. But Wonder Woman 2. Can we talk about the achievement? We get that, to hear- that a comic book movie is going into a sequel? No, That's that so we unusual. Get- <laughs> That we get to Shocking. hear the accent again, Mark. Gal Gadot. 
Uh, I have to say, I still haven't seen the first one, and it's really embarrassing. Didn't we assign you the first one? Yeah, was but I was like, oh, I could see it, or I could just like kind of wait till it comes out on TV, and then like also maybe not see it. But like, I'm so supportive of Gal Gadot and like female helmed movies, and I like so want them to succeed. But I now defeated the Germans. Now I will go to the Kotel. I will make peace between the Reform and Orthodox. Yeah, this Jews. one's in like these are like the Soviets. Is this one right? Is that what's happening? Yeah. Is it Cold it's War? It's like a Cold War themed. Are one. they basically really doing that? Is yeah. just moving up in history? Yeah. Will it be like you know the the Nicaragua next and like then she'll minor, take out Trump. She'll save health care. Wow. She'll save the Affordable Care Act. It's like uh, she'll bring a single payer. Uh, Mitch McConnell, it, uh, this is the lasso of truth. Do you support <laughs> this? Uh, but the most important story in news of the Jews of the week, though, is that the planned biopic about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the notorious RBG, is apparently not going to star Natalie Portman, as had been announced. Instead, Madam Justice Ginsburg will be played by non-Jew Felicity Jones. Known for Star Wars Rogue One, Spider-Man 2, assorted other things. Now, this is a good one to have a live audience for because there was like a an audible uh, gas. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like a groan. It was just like, oh. Now, I didn't see Jackie. My friend Arnold Gorlick, who owns Madison Art Cinemas in Connecticut, who's a real, this is a, a fine indie theater and it's, he's a real cineast. He said that Natalie Portman, whom he didn't have high hopes for, I think, was was transporting as Jackie, that she really was able to get into the character. Yeah, so it was an amazing movie. Does anyone ever call you a cineast? Well, <laughs> but I'm not one. I mean, if I were one. A cineast. Cineast. It, <laughs> Sorry. Are you old enough to get married? Is this like, this is, <laughs> grow up. That's just, it's the word for a film. I know, but it's like a really ridiculous word. It's a dirty word. No, I it's know. a ridiculous it's a, word to use. Anyway, he said that she was amazing in that. And I mean, I, I love her just because I love her, but I... I'm not sure that she actually was the right pers- person to play Ginsburg. Wait, now, oh, I thought we were litigating whether she can play Jackie. Look, I think, as the audience says, like, we wanted to see, like, a nice Jewish girl play another, like, this amazing Jewish woman whose right. who's Judaism is actually, like, a big part of her story and who doesn't shy away from it in any public setting. And so everyone's like, oh, that was, like, that was like, kind of a missed opportunity. It's not just that. Like, I'm pretty sure that this kind of, you know, fucked up erasure. Like, you, you wouldn't do it to, like, Sonia Sotomayor. You wouldn't be like, and Jennifer Aniston as just, it's like, oh, oh, like, that was my Jennifer Aniston impersonation. <laughs> I've been working on it since 1995. You know, it's just like RBG. I think, here's, here's what I think we should do. We should demand uh, a, a form of reparation. So, okay. So, uh, RBG is not going to be Jewish, but then we demand that another Supreme Court justice be played by a Jew. So, you know, Jackie Mason is Clarence Thomas, which would be funny because he will not say a word throughout this entire biopic. Who always cooked my steaks and cooked them rare? Wins. When the chips were down, who was always there? Reliable And to whom did I swear up and down? I'd always tell the truth. I need a little Our Jew of the Week is Harry Enten, who analyzes politics for 538. You may also recognize his voice from the 538 Politics Podcast. Welcome, Harry. Yeah, now you're out. Now you're off. Now you walk. Skip the good, the bad part, thank God. That's from YouTube. <laughs> I didn't make it. So thank you for being here. And like, I appreciate you taking like some time to not be on Twitter. Like, I know that. That's where I live. Well, it's nice to see you IRL. And <laughs> one of the actually most important things that I don't think enough people know about you is like, you're something of Borscht Belt royalty. A little bit, yeah. I guess, oh boy, someone's doing their research a little bit. Well, yeah, my uh, my nana ran a hotel, the Esther Manor up there. My mom is from Monticello, New York. Um, we used to go up to the Concord Hotel through the age of nine for New Year's. Um, and my uncle met my aunt up there. So... I feel like you should say who your uncle is. Uh, my uncle is a singer that some of the older audience members might know, uh, Neil Sadaka. Um, <laughs> and he met your aunt. Can you say how he met your aunt? You're really downplaying this. Yeah. Uh, she, he, he met my... So essentially my 
Nana, uh, you know, booked musical acts and this musical act I was booked at the time. And my Nana saw him in his band and said, oh, no, he's far too young. We're not going to have him there. Um, and she was told that he was very good. And she was like, all right, fine. Uh, I'll allow him to perform. And the rest is, is history, as they might say. And he fell in love with your aunt. He fell in love with my aunt. Uh, that's, yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Um <laughs> You know, my aunt was a good-looking piece of, you know, young Jewish woman at the time. So they got together, uh, and they've been together now. What They were married in, what, 61 or 62? So they've been together now for about 55 years, um, or there and about, or I believe it's going to be 55 years on in September. And, yeah, they'll call me occasionally and ask about the political environment. They are addicted to cable news at this time. So they know more about the news than I do. It's kind of crazy. So I have a problem. Sorry. My mom is, like, obsessed with Twitter. And she follows, like, all the rogue White House accounts. Like, she's, like, on, like, the – she's in, like, deep – State, she's deep. Oh, state. oh, she's one of the least Louise Mensch followers. Yeah, like, and I went with her, and I was like, "You have to unfollow all these people; it's making you crazy." And then I went back this weekend, and she was like, "So I refollowed all of them." There was just so much going on this week. Uh, this, uh, you know, this is one of the funny things. You know, in New York, obviously, we're in our own liberal bubble, especially on the Upper West Side, uh, and we think of fake news as being something on the right. But fake news is certainly a problem on the left. I mean, Louise Mensch puts out stuff that is pure garbage. I mean, just pure garbage. I mean, you can get more truthful things by reading the National Enquirer from time to time. I think some of those aliens out in Jersey are more real than the stuff she puts out. So, uh, you know, I think it's a real problem. And I think that people on the left have to be very careful. There are a lot of smart people who believe a lot of crazy shit. Excuse my language. And, you know, people on the left as well as on the right need to be following real news people and real news sources because even if we have differing opinions we should at least agree on the same facts Harry let's let, let's let's make up yeah round of applause for facts facts, for facts. I facts are good let's let's rewind here just a little bit so, yes sir so you're, you're of, of the famed 538 which you know all of us you know I, I think is safe to assume we're completely you know heavily dependent on uh, like before the election and, and and then the election comes and after the election and you know the, the the problems with predictions how hard is it for someone like you to get laid on like November 10th have you ever seen the movie um, what is it uh, the wedding crashers <laughs> and you remember of course Will Ferrell figured out that the true uh, path to getting laid was in fact to go to funerals yes for many people in this part of the country after November 8th was like a funeral so it was not particularly difficult after November 8th so you, you- you were like the ultimate object of sympathy. I was the ultimate, you know, I was the strong, the strong man that they were all looking for on the podcast. They could tell I was with it. You know, I had a few people perhaps get in touch saying, you know, I'm just so devastated. I just feel like reaching out. You want to grab coffee? I'm like, sure. I don't really drink coffee, but I'll watch you drink coffee and we'll have a nice conversation. Sure, and I have whatever. a very attractive aunt, by the way. I have a very attractive aunt. She's still going, she still looks great. She's in her 70s. I mean, she's married, but you know. If you say hello to her uh, at, at you know at a Italian restaurant on the Upper East Side, go ahead. She's out there. And she's Neil Sedaka will be with her. Neil Sedaka might be with her. Maybe he's out, you know, touring. He's still touring. Can you believe this? This guy was born in 1939. He is still touring in 2017 and still has a lovely voice, a wonderful voice. I, I just I realize you want to talk politics. I want to stay on Neil Sedaka for one second. <laughs> sure. So I'll I have... talk about anything you want. You're the one who has me here. It's true. It's true. You want to talk about your hair? We're going to have, have a hair. You have actually very good hair too. Uh, I, oh, I have no worries about my hair. I mean, I may lose everything else in my body. I may become fat and old very, very fast. But the hair in my family, whether it be my maternal grandfather or my father, I got black hair until I'm at least sixty, and then plenty of coverage well into my eighties. I'm not particularly worried. <laughs> Other problems I have, but that no. So, <laughs> okay. we found him. He's amazing. Okay, can you just tell us? I mean, he's busy fighting off the women because he makes bad political predictions. So it is, but he's amazing. Uh, why, why, why you have to be so did, mean to me? I've been so nice to you, and you have to bring up the Harry, ugly past. I, I thought just, we were past that. Look, you and I can have a hair off later, but first, I really have to get it. I had a, I had a revelation when I was about twenty five years old. Going back a few years now, I thought Neil more Sadaka, than a few. Go ahead. More than a few. I thought Neil Sadaka was the name Sadaka. 
Yeah, I, 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 you, you know, I, I'm not the biggest uh, Hebrewite here. Uh, no, but you I, I say, like. The, you just say Uncle Neil. Sure, I say Uncle Neil. I say Uncle Neil. I mean, I knew who. I, look, I'm a type of guy who has very eclectic music taste. I will tell you this much. I mean, I find old '80s television theme songs to listen to, and I listen to it on YouTube repeater over and over and over again. <laughs> I think it's Margaret Con- Conlin, Colin, Conlin. I believe that's the actress's name, who was a big star in the '80s. And I found she did a like multiple shows in the '80s where she was like a court reporter, or she was a lawyer, and then a private eye. And legwork was one of them that no one has here has ever heard of her. Midnight Caller. Has anyone ever heard of Midnight Caller? It was with Gary Cole in the late '80s, yeah. early '90s. I love that theme song. It's fantastic. And I was listening to it over and over and over again, this like old jazz thing or Al Jarreau and Moonlighting. Uh, I mean, all these shows just had the great theme songs of the 70s and 80s, even like for the younger people in the audience, Full House I Love, Step by Step. Um, And by the way, this accent comes from 70s late night TV too, because it's amazing. (laughs) So I liked, so my father had me when he was 60 and my father was by far my best friend in the entire world. And so I just hung out with him a ton and I'd like to think that I probably picked it up from him, this type of 1920s New right. York City accent. And it's 100% real. I mean, I, I mean, I went up up to the hills of New Hampshire for college, but for the rest of it, I'm from New York, and I live in New York, and if anything, I think the accents become thicker over time, and I got no apologies. I got to be who I am. I took- okay, so... <laughs> Speaking of who you are, can you tell... I mean, you have those parentheses around your name on Twitter, which yeah. is what Jewish people on Twitter took basically from the alt-right mm-hmm. as a way of like signaling who Jews were. Sure. Um, on your ha- on your bio, it says like hashtag renegade Jew. That's you don't have time. a particularly Jewish name. No. Is that important to you to sort of like be publicly Jewish? Sure. It's important to me to embrace who I am. And it's important for me, for people who might be Jewish as well, to know that I'm there with them. I don't want to hide who I am. I'm not particularly religious. Um, but it is important for me to recognize that my ancestors thought that this faith was important enough to stick through a lot worse situations that I'm facing right now and that I want to represent them in a way that could make them proud. So sure, that's so, sure as hell that's important. Talking about bad situations and tragic history, I, I want to shift gears and, and get a little serious here and talk about some some pretty tragic things. Um, what the fuck is wrong with the Mets? Well, so this is a funny thing. I actually grew up a. I grew up in the Bronx. I grew up in the Riverdale section of the Bronx, which some people don't consider the Bronx, but you know we vote for the Bronx Borough President and the Bronx DA. I grew up in the Bronx. Was not a Yankee fan. Hated the Yankees. Was a Met fan. But then they moved into their new digs, and it looks too much like Ebbets Field. And my father was a huge New York Giant baseball fan. And as soon as they did that, I was done. That's and it. No longer a Met fan. Just a pure anti-Yankee. Uh, hate, I'm, I hate the Yankees. I hate the Yankees so much that I made my company conduct a sur- or we licensed it out to SurveyMonkey, conduct a survey to find out who the least favorite team in America was, just so I could say it was the New York Yankees, and then write an entire article in which people accused me of being biased, and I was like, you got me. <laughs> It's a great way to, to abuse the resources of 530. I'd be like, hey, that, that, you know that who the least popular you, right? girl in America is? You, according to science, girl who wouldn't date me. That's awesome. You know. So, yeah. So, the song that uh, introed you, I believe the title is I'm Harry Enton. I'm feeling this might come up. Uh, Stephanie, what is, is it? Is it Harry Enton wants a girlfriend or Harry Enton needs a girlfriend? I, 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 you would have to know. I did not write the song. Let's I was go written. with Harry Enton needs a girlfriend. So, Harry Enton. Um, do What's you still, up with that? Do you still need a girlfriend? I, 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 I am in the. Uh, I am not tied down with any particular person at this particular time. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and so, to all, uh, to all you lovely single ladies out there, after the show, oh boy, you'll be sticking around. Harry Anton, how can we find you on Twitter? Not in real life. On five thirty eight. <laughs> so uh, at Forecaster Enton, I actually love weather, and that's what that actually. I went. Part of the reason I went to school in New Hampshire was for the snow, and I went to weather camp when I was younger. So that uh, at Forecaster Enton E N T E N, which means duck in German. Um, if you want perhaps a more Jewish name, my mother's maiden name is Strasburg, and her mother's maiden name was Goldstein. So there's some more Jew on that. There was so um, much action in weather camp, wasn't there? Well, there was a big question of whether or not you were a Star Trek or a Star Wars fan. Um, Where I, do you fall? I'm a, I mean, I, I, I'm a more of a Star Wars, which I think is the actually the less nerdy answer. You know what? No, it's the less geeky answer. There's a difference between a geek and a nerd, and I'm a nerd. I don't consider myself a geek. 
For one thing, I have like 2015 vision, which I think goes against the geek. Before we let you go, actually, let's end on this. What is the difference between a nerd and a geek? I think the difference between a nerd and a geek, nerd has to do with like, um, I tend to think like embracing being smart versus geek like is embracing being odd and different. And it's like going to like, you know, Comic-Con or something like that. I think the people who go there are geeky. This is personal hygiene, basically. Sure, and I'd, I'd like to think that showers are a good thing, and uh, you know, brushing your hair and brushing your teeth, and you know, changing your sheets uh, more than once a year is probably a smart deal. So I don't. All necess- the single ladies, you're learning a lot here. <laughs> um, I think, therefore, the geek does. I do not partake in. I, the nerd is something I fully embrace, just like you all fully embrace each other. And isn't these people are so fantastic, aren't they? They've been so nice to me. Let's give them a round. Oh, shocking. Oh, Harry Anton, thank you so much. Thank you for so having me. Yeah. Broadway comes to the 14th Street Y on Tuesday, May 21st. Join us at 7 p.m. for a conversation with cast members from Prayer for the French Republic, the Tony Award-nominated Best Play. Tony nominee Betsy Adam and fellow cast members Francis Benhamou, Ethan Haberfield, and Ari Brand will take part in a lively discussion moderated by the New York Times' Mark Tracy. They'll talk about the play's themes of Jewish identity, French culture, and Zionism in times of rising anti-Semitism. This event is part of 14Y's spring season of Jewish culture. As a Jewish community center, 14Y offers a variety of opportunities for people to discover, explore, and connect with Jewish life. Visit 14streetwide.org to learn more and purchase tickets to Broadway at 14Y. Hey, J. Crew, it is time for some pod biz. Tonight, May 16th, I will be moderating a Zoom conversation with Rabbi Sharon Browse and Shai Held about each of their new books. That's at 6 p.m. Eastern and the final event in my Unpacking the Book series with the Jewish Book Council and the Jewish Museum. This one's on Zoom, so no matter where you are, I hope you can make it. And tonight is actually a doubleheader for me. If you're in the New York area, I'll be at the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan at 7.30 tonight in conversation with Israeli rapper and singer Jimbo J. He'll be performing and there will be delicious Israeli food from Chef Mushka, who made the famous Horosets at our Passover pop-up. You can find links to register for both of those events at tabletmag.com slash unorthodoxlive. We also have some great events coming up for tablet members in person and on Zoom. On May 16th, Catherine Wolf will be in conversation with Jews who refuse to back down against hostile crowds in various arenas, from municipal buildings, school board meetings, and of course, college campuses. She'll be talking with Club Z's Masha Merkalova, Safe CUNY's Avraham Goldstein, Attorney John Kovac, Mel Waldorf, Steve Goldberg, and UNC Chapel Hill student Daniel Stumpel. Also coming up, a warm and intimate Zoom for those who have lost friendships since October 7th. That's on May 21st and will be a great chance to connect and meet new people. And on May 30th, an in-person tablet meetup in Washington, D.C., hosted by Tablet's executive editor Wayne Hoffman and Catherine Wolf. That'll be at Charbar at 6 p.m. You can become a Tablet member at tabletm.ag slash UO member and get more information about all of these events. Okay, back to the show. Guys, it's time for our Gentile of the Week. This week, we are honored to have Harun Mogul, author of the amazing new book, How to Be a Muslim, an American Story. He's also part of the Muslim Leadership Initiative at the Hartman Institute. Welcome, Harun. Harun Mogul. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Okay, so you've been what you describe as a professional Muslim since you were in college. And you've been going around the country talking about this book, this amazing book, How to Be a Muslim. What is the dumbest thing you've been asked <laughs> in all good, your years of this? That's a good question. That's a good question. So um, before, I, before I answer a question about questions, uh, let me say it's very difficult to be someone like myself to listen to what people are talking about. And uh, sometimes it's very painful. And, uh, you know, it's a perfect example of that, uh, to watch two men up on stage here talk about their hair. Um, that was tough. That was, that hurt somewhere deep down. That really hurt, know. you know? It's actually a macro, it was a macro aggression, wasn't it? There, it was, it was, uh, it was something. Uh, I get some amazing questions. I was, for my second reading for the book was on the Upper West Side, actually just not very far from here. 
And uh, I, I deliberately read a portion of the book which had nothing to do with politics because I thought I wanted to go beyond. So you're saying that Islam is not just about politics. Exactly. Like there's more to us than, you know, overpopulation and extremism. And uh, that's a great T-shirt, by sometimes. the way. It's, it's actually Islam, a garage band. not just overpopulation and extremism. Um, it, I don't know if it would be a positive or a negative message. Uh, so uh, someone asked me, and it's a great topic for JCC. She asked me if I could pronounce Hamas. <laughs> so I, I said, do you mean denounce? And she said, no, pronounce. <laughs> and so I didn't understand if this was some sort of trap where I would be like, Hamas. Hamas, right? And then they would just use that clip against me for the rest of my life. Uh, so I, I, I said accent on the A. <laughs> and uh, she did not like my answer. So basically, in the book, my favorite line is, you say, on this morning, I woke up like all other Muslims. I checked my email. And I was like, thank you for writing that. Like, it's revelatory, but it's so not. So we get emails from, from Muslims all over the world uh, <laughs> with instructions about what to do. I mean, so we get those too. Barack you know. emails usually in the morning yeah. says, hey, guys, I'm almost ready to come out. <laughs> whenever I say that, incidentally, whenever I say that, and like a tur- there's always someone in the back who's like, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. like, Frantically like tweeting at someone like, or something. Yeah. They're like, he just pronounced it. I knew it. Yeah. But it must get, I mean, I was, I was a, at a panel at Canuga, if you remember Canuga. Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, which was this conference center in North Carolina. And I was on the panel with uh, a Muslim. And the questions to me. They go on panels. They go on panels, right? <laughs> Muslims. They we, come in pairs. We go on panels. <laughs> and um, it was, a, it was a, a Christian conference. And I was like token Jew. And I'm sort, of, I'm sort of like Jew of the week. And he was Muslim of the week. And they were, you know, and, and I have to sort of expect the occasional like question about like, well, what do you guys feel about Christmas? And it's like, we don't feel anything about it. Like, I, I, don't, know. I don't know. What do you guys feel about, you know, some Gedalia, right? What do you guys feel about That's like Sukkot? the official tab, uh, tablet holiday, by the way. Right? And, um, and so I got a few of those. At, no, they were, they were quite knowledgeable about Judaism. And then, and then like, the, the question to the, to the Muslim guest, very well-meaning people, but one of the questions, one of the first questions was, you know, um, everything I hear on the news is about how you're terrorists. Could I read something about how you're not? And they asked for like assignments. Like it's as if, I mean, how do you, people must come to you and want the one-stop shopping of like, What's the book? And of course, now that you've written a book, you it can is be like, the book. This is the book. How to be a Muslim? You can buy it this after the, the show. But like, I mean, actually, you can though. How do you? I imagine there's this tension between, on the one hand, gratitude that they're asking, but then also um, frustration. Yeah, it's a little bit disturbing. Uh, if you, uh, you know, you can play a fun game. You ask someone what's the first word that comes to mind if you say Muslim. You can imagine it's probably not bad hair day. Uh, but and that's not even it's a word. Emails. That's, that's email. That's Hillary Clinton. Yeah. You know, I. I it is frustrating, but I, I would rather someone ask the question to me than go online and, and see what comes up. And, and I understand that for most people, I mean, there are very few Muslims in the United States, right? Or just like a, like the Jewish population are very small. There's maybe three to four million Muslims in the entire country. Um, other than, you know, the last president, most of these people are not known uh, to most <laughs> Americans. Uh, and so uh, outside of New York and a couple other parts of the country, uh, Muslims are like unicorns. So uh, if you actually see a unicorn on a panel and it speaks English and you can ask it a question, uh, why would you not? And so people always ask me, like, where are the moderate Muslims? And I'd be like, I am still looking. So I'll be like, let's go find them together. And then they get really scared. Go look at a Muslim hunt yeah, in the forest. Yeah, you know, we'll start in Cuba. So you know. I, have, I, have, I have, though, a question for you, because uh, I think that, especially on, you know, circles such as, as the ones uh, many of us move in, you know, more sort of progressive circles, when you talk about being Muslim, it's, it's sort of primarily kind of read or understood as a kind of, oh, it's like an ethnicity, a community. Uh, but, but part of what's so amazing about your book is that you actually grapple with it on a religious basis, which I think is, is kind of like a less of a thing that, that a lot of people understand when, when they talk about being Muslim is that the, it's actually a faith that comes with, you know, very particular, uh, life and, and spiritual dictates. So, so how, how do you grapple with that kind of like, telling your friends, look, I actually believe this stuff. So um, the program you mentioned, Muslim Leadership Initiative, we take uh, North American Muslim leaders to Israel to study Judaism through the Shalom Hartman Institute. And one of the first uh, classes that they take, these Muslim leaders, is a class on peoplehood. 
And so we learn Judaism of, of the sort of Genesis narrative, right? And then Judaism of the Sinai narrative, right? So this idea of Judaism as a matter of descent and blood, and then Judaism as a matter of uh, commandment and, and uh, conviction and, and ritual. And it always, like every, that we've now had five classes of Muslim leaders who go um, become Zionists. Uh, that was a joke. <laughs> That's about to get fired Mission now. Mission accomplished. Um, that was, uh, we're going to delete that. We're going to rewind it, delete it. Um, I'll have slightly less hair in the second version um, because that's how fast it's happening. Um, so uh, it was interesting that every, like, every group of Muslims always has a really hard time wrapping their head around it. Around the like, peoplehood piece. Around peoplehood. So like, they were like, wait a minute, you can, be, you're, you can be a Jew and you don't have to believe it? And they don't understand that. They're like, but isn't it a religion? And it's so fascinating that I mean, these are people who grow up around Jews, who grow up around Judaism, who have sophisticated conversations. And yet some of the most basic parts of this faith and this peoplehood and this concept of ethnicity remain not just unknown, but like difficult to fathom. And, and it goes well, reverse, for us too. too. I mean, <laughs> So I've had this conversation with Muslim friends and also with Mormon friends where I've said the, the, the reform mosque or the reform Mormon temple that takes the attitude, the theological attitude that, um, that the holy books, whether it's the Book of Mormon or Quran, are like kind of true in parts, but largely metaphorical. Mm-hmm. And which, of course, is where Reform Judaism and I think many conservative Jews, indeed many Orthodox Jews I know, are there, right? Like, well, you don't that, that not every you know jot and tittle is literally true. And I've said, look, of course, this is where this is where all religions are heading in a, in a country like the United States, where things fracture and schism, and you can have denominations break off from this. Like somebody's going to say, this is the place you can come where we revere this as a holy book, but not as one that you have to take as like literally true. And they always look at me like I'm insane. They're like, no, that would never fly because you'd be too the break would be too strong. You wouldn't even be able to be in conversation with the. Essentially, what they tell me is theologically, our our north star will always be literalist. And I just think that couldn't possibly be true, that aren't there going to be mosques and Seventh-day Adventist churches and everything filled with people who kind of like the book and they think it's important to read it and know it, but are happy to like treat it as metaphor? I think we've mastered the art of schism already. Um, Muslims are great at that. We've got like two or three. Um, We've got two or three major armed factions (laughs) right now having very sophisticated theological arguments with artillery. Um, so just that's, I mean, that's how you should have, uh, it's actually, and so, you know, I, I, I take your point. I think you're right. What I think is, you know, an interesting contrast to that is right now, if you look at the Middle East and, and this is what a lot of Muslims are grappling with around the world is that you've got all these actors, Turkey and Saudi Arabia and Egypt, uh, Hezbollah, Hamas, Al Qaeda, ISIS, uh, Iraqi militia. I mean, basically all these actors claim to be Islamic and come out of the same, sort of minority movement within Islam, the sort of political Islamic tendency. And they're all basically massacring each other. Uh, but if you look at what happens generationally, right, this is, this is like Europe in the 16th and 17th century, the wars of religion, that you have these actors that claim to be, and for, for many intents and purposes, appear to be supremely dedicated to their religious interpretation and willing to kill for it. And what you're seeing happening on the margins, or at least you know, in hushed conversations, is widespread move away from religion in general. Uh, and, and sort of you see a lot of atheism and especially in countries that are politically Islamist. Uh, so I don't even know if we, I, I think in many cases you're going to leapfrog the reformist phase in some parts of the Muslim world to just outright disinterest or hostility to religion because it's tied to something that's seen as so damaging and so dangerous. I just love the way you just pronounce Hamas. I just got it. <laughs> it's accent on the A. <laughs> it's very yeah. nice. Yeah. Like Harun. Like Harun, like yeah, Harun. Or, or Hamas. But, but wait, are we going to, so are we going to have those reformists? Mosques I think in America? So. I think it's already happening. You I, do? The only the thing that's kind of delaying this from happening is is um, the 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 man the color of the cover of my book whose name shall not be spoken. Uh, I this is just in honor of our dear leader. Um, he's driving. He's stymieing reform tendencies. Because the thing is that when you have these really important conversations on gender, on sexuality, on power, on tradition, like all these conversations have been frozen because you're like, oh my god, Donald Trump. So Islamophobia and, and whether whether real or perceived fears of discrimination, and there's a little bit of both, uh, has frozen people. Like you're like deer in the headlights. So all these really important conversations that were happening and should be happening have kind of stopped or paused because everyone's so concerned by this much larger phenomenon. And so you're actually seeing, and I think this goes to your, your point, is that it is creating an ethnic form of Muslim identity. Because if someone's saying we well, should be banned from the country, he's not saying you should be banned if you're Sunni or Shia, or you're religious or secular. You should just be banned if you descend from Muslims. Mm-hmm. So Islam is being turned into an ethnic marker. 
what do you want our like what do you think people don't know about Muslims in America? There's a lot in your book about these communities and and I like, could you illustrate them a little bit for us? Like, I think we're going to ask about Star Trek. We're going to get like, to Star Trek, but, but I just want to know like what job. do you want people to know about Muslims in America? Well, that's a good question. And naturally, I have an answer prepared for it, which I'm going to arrive at slowly. <laughs> uh, I mean, what I took from your book was that they're actually quite similar to Jewish communities. You know, you have yeah. these sort of like affluent pockets of. Uh, okay, so. Parents um, who really want their kids to yeah, be like, doctors or else. Very similar pressures. Yeah, so, okay, um, just as by way of numbers here. So there's about four to five, three to four million Muslims in America. There's about 1.8 billion Muslims in the world. That'll be about 1.9 by like tomorrow. Um, <laughs> if you want any of them, because this is a major kind of stick, this is a difference, right? Jewish community has anxiety about demographics. Muslims have anxieties about demographics too, but it's like the opposite anxiety. We have like no quality control mechanism, right? It's just like, it's a, like this, it's just like gone haywire, right? So um, if you want, if any Jewish community here wants extra people, we're more than willing to offer. We can't guarantee you they're stable or like nonviolent, but we can offer them to you. <laughs> Um, and then you can do whatever you right, want with them. Because we could totally make those guarantees of right. stable you know, people. I mean, <laughs> great at it. Um, and, you know, it's funny. So, like, when I often, when I say this in classes, I teach classes on Islam at Hartman, I'll be like, you know, there's Muslims have really, like, violent disagreements. And they're like, so do Jews. And I'm like, no, you don't. They're like, yeah, we do. I'm like, no, you don't. I'm like, which Jewish group is beheading other Jews right now? And then they're like... Okay, fine. Um, so I'm like, you win. And I'm like, thank you. Barney Greengrass versus Russ and Daughters. <laughs> right? Bloody. That is, that is cutthroat. That was an ugly one. Um, so we win by losing. Uh, so, okay. So there's about three or four million Muslims in the United States. About 30% of them are African American. And the other, I can't count. Where's Harry? Um, like, what, 50%? Um, I think he left because numbers. He's like, yeah, it was he too just, many people he's, here. This is terrible. Um, so um, our, our immigrant, recent immigrant origin, as, a, as they're called, meaning mostly from South Asia and the Middle East, um, American Islam is the most ethnically diverse religion in the United States, which surprises a lot of people. Uh, if Amer American Muslims are the most ethnically diverse Muslim nationality in the world, which is really interesting. Uh, American Muslims are the only Muslim population in a Western country, a significant component of which is, for lack of a better term, indigenous African-Americans, right? You don't have that in Islam in Canada or in France or in Germany, right, where you have significant numbers of people who are um, product of like a long established indigenous religious tradition. Um, this one's really freaky, actually. If American Muslims were a country, they would be one of the top 10 wealthiest Muslim countries in the world which is crazy, right? Because that includes like Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and Qatar, which are like very, very wealthy countries. Um, if you break down Americans by religion, um, the most gender equal by pay religious community in the United States is Muslims, which surprises a lot of people. Is that because a lot of moms are doctors? Yes, my mom was a doctor. Yeah. Um, everyone is a doctor. Um, and I grew up in a very particular kind of tradition. So my family is Pakistani. And a lot of Pakistanis came in the 60s and 70s as doctors or engineers. And there's a, there's a very clear hierarchy of where you are professionally. Like doctors are God, right? Um, they can do no wrong. And then after that is engineers, which is like godlike powers, but like affected by kryptonite. And then, like, then there's like shady import export business where no one knows, no one knows what this person does, right? They're like import export. Like, nobody, no idea what that means, right? But like, they can afford to drive a Benz, so they're socially acceptable. And I imagine, like, then political ISIS, then public intellectual. Right, right. Yeah, like, right? maybe not even in the same ranking. Terrorist. Like, writer. Writer, yeah. Writer, writing is a form of terrorism. Right. So, um, writer employed by Jewish think tank. That's not even, there's not even a category for that. Right? That's like under the rug or something. Um, so, and, and to give you a sense of what it's like to grow up um, brown in America, do you remember Khizr Khan? The, the father oh, yeah, the of father Captain Humayun Khan. The, you all remember him? Where he like, yeah. he had the, the Constitution. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, the DNC, yeah. right? And he like hammered Trump. Literally everything he said in that speech is what every Pakistani parent says to their kid every day. It was like, you have sacrificed nothing. You have a black soul. <laughs> like, you have done nothing, right? There is no greater illustration of white privilege than the fact that Donald Trump heard that and he died. He, like, literally melted down and lost his damn mind, and he still can't find it, right? Like, he just went insane. But brown kids hear that every day. Like, we absorb all that self-hate and feeling of insufficiency, and we channel it into this, like, prodigious, like... 
productivity, right? Because we don't know what to do with it. And instead, I mean, except my parents waved a Quran instead of the Constitution, but it's like the same basic thing, right? Um, so that tells you a little bit about American Islam. We all feel deeply insufficient. Uh, we feel like failures. Uh, even if we do become doctors, we feel like failures. Uh, and since we've been talking about marriage, congratulations, by the way. Oh, my God, thank you. Um, <laughs> The general, like, we practice an interesting form of, like, Muslim eugenics, where you're not allowed to marry or therefore breed until you become a doctor. So, like, we make you jump through all these hoops. And if you can, if you can handle med school and you can come out the other side, then we will allow you to get married. If you can handle med school, you can handle, yeah, weddings. Yeah. I, I mean, Parenthood. I yeah. So, Harun, before we let you go, I want to, you were on Terry Gross a few weeks ago, I'm sure. It's like a big NPR crowd in here. You, you said something at the beginning, which is that you always get called on TV shows after terrorist attacks to basically, yes. like, describe Islam and say, you know, do that thing that you do when, when that happens. Um, and then afterwards, to one of the producers, you said, you know, I'm actually interested in other things, you know, like science fiction and healthcare. And he basically said to you, that's great, but we're still going to only have you on when Muslims do bad things. So I wanted to, like, offer you the stage to talk about something other than Muslims. Like, do you want to talk about Star Trek? Oh, my God, Yes. <laughs> Just like, let's do this. Like, it's finally happening. Yeah. And now I don't know what to do with myself. Are you ready? I'm not ready. You're going to have to talk to Leo. Yeah, Leo secretly programmed Harry Enten and Harun Mogul <laughs> to talk about the thing I care least about in the world, which is Star Trek. Like, That's correct. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> this is like my moment. Yeah, Mark. You just we'll took cut that out. Okay, the so magic let's... of a podcast is that didn't exist. But whatever you're about to say will live That's forever. That's amazing. Um, I don't even know what to do with myself right now. I'm so excited. I, like, I'm going to start crying. And then I don't know what to do. And so uh, g- give, us, give us top favorites. F- favorite ever captain of the Enterprise? Captain Picard. That's a very good Captain question. Picard should be caliph. You're good. He should be converted to Islam. We just tell, we'll tell him, look, man, like, we're having a really tough time right now. It's been a pretty shitty 250 years. And uh, if you could just kind of come through a little bit, you know, maybe. Because, like, all we have right now is Worf. Um, so some of you will understand the reference. The rest of you should not even be here. Um, uh, best episode is Inner Light. I would think. What do you think? No? I, I am so there with you right, right? Now. Thank you. See? I love this completely private conversation. This is awesome, right? May, may I? You may. Ladies and gentlemen, Gentile of the Week, Harun Mogul. Yes! So I didn't understand if this was some sort of trap where I would be like, Hamas, Hamas, accent on the A, accent on the A, Hamas, 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 accent on the A, right? And then they would just use that clip against me for the rest of my life. Hamas, Hamas, I said, do you mean denounce? Hamas, and she did not like my answer. So um, we selected, based on our, our putting out the call on social media on our last episode, we selected six of you to be guest Jews of the week. We're going to give you each one minute. So we need you all to come down first. We need Laura Newmark, Bronwyn Mullen, Laura Hemlock, and her friend Randy, if, if Randy is here, um, Morgan Block, Sarah Eater, and Sharon Kessel. Could you come on down? Oh, oh yeah. Bring those lights up. Hi, Ben. Now, the way this is going to work, we're going to, we're going to ask you to guess the prices of everyday household items. <laughs> okay, so go over to that side. So first of all, we just need you to swear the official Jew oath that you are all, in fact, Jews. Okay, because we can't make you Jew. We'll make you a Gentile of the Week, but we're, call- we're going out to a billion listeners that you're Jews of the Week. So is we this need- self-selection that we got, like, that only women wrote in to be like... Yeah, the guy just the obscenity the warning, but the women want to be interviewed. Okay. So we'll go, we'll go in, should we go in order? Okay, so Laura Newmark, come forward to the seat, to the hot seat. You hear Laura? No, Laura. Oh, this is awkward. She stood us up. She bought a ticket and then didn't come. Okay, Laura. Should we do another Jew? Okay. How about just in the order that they are, uh, that they're standing right there? Okay, Bronwyn Mullen. Okay. All right. Down here, down here. Join us, join us. Okay, now Bronwyn, tell us, tell us where you're from. I am 
from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania originally. Nice. What neighborhood? From West Philly, like actual West Philly. Actual West Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and raised. Yeah, yeah. raised. Okay. Now, according to this, you are the rabbinic artist in residence at Jewish Theological Seminary. I am. Does really that pay, does that pay well? well? That's gonna. I mean, like that must be very lucrative. I mean, right? It's a Jewish organization, so of course, I so, mean, they pay exceptionally well. Okay. What do you do as rabbinic artist in residence? I bring arts to every aspect of the community, and the biggest part is that we're doing a performing arts wing of our artist baby trash. So basically what that means is... Yeah, I have no idea what that means. Okay, okay what you great. Like, Sounds really cool. Yeah. Basically what it means is like, so you have a Beit Midrash, which is like a traditional place where Jews learn text, right? They battle it out. It's basically where world wars begin amongst the Jewish people, right? And if we were, if we had a lot more physical prowess, maybe it would be more violent, but it's not. But what we're doing with an artist Beit Midrash basically is that we're having artists come and learn text the exact same way. And what they generate basically is new Torah. They generate new material that's both deeply traditional, but also super provocative, because what would Jews be without being provocative? Okay, so if people want to find out about that, where should they go? They should go to the Jewish Theological Seminary website. It's all about me. It's all about the program that already exists. Um, and if you're looking at other cool things, right, like always check out new Jewish artists. There's like comic books. There are great plays. There's great poetry. There's rap music. There's dance. Give like, one endorsement of some Jewish art, comic, rap, whatever that people might not know about. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. So an obvious one people have heard of Indecent that's on Broadway, right, is astounding. Yes, Indecent, right? It's incredible. Another great work is the illustrated Pirkei Avot by the artist Jessica Tamar Deutsch, right? Also an incredible work. Um, especially if you're going to ban, it, the show is not up right now, it's already been done, but when you see companies from Israel like Batsheva, what's amazing about Israel is that in Israel, which has state-funded arts programs, if only the U.S. would get its ass in gear around this, right? They have artists in Israel who are questioning the occupation, right? So... Imagine that. Imagine, Imagine that. that right? So most important, and finally, if you're a Jewess, why is your first name Bronwyn? That is so awesome. Thank you so much. So <laughs> Bronwyn is a Welsh name. It means a dark-haired beauty with a white bosom. And so, <laughs> right, that's for after the show, but for what they say. <laughs> but when I was in Israel, I got my own rabbinic name, which was Se'ar Hashicha, right? Like, so dark hair, Vishadaim Levanim. White-breasted. So I am officially, my rabbinic name is the Sachsha. All right. Bronwyn Mullen, everyone. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, Okay. Okay. We have 10 minutes. We have a hard stop in the middle. Laura Hemlock and Randy, are you here? All right. Yes. All right. So according to this, you have a new, quote, underground Jewish single service. <laughs> yeah. Won't okay. be underground for long. That's Tell us all about it. Okay. Um, you know, it's kind of like the quote from Sex in the City. My favorite one was when Charlotte, like, was dating Harry and they break up for a hot second after she converts to Judaism. And there's this voiceover from Carrie and she goes, just what New York needs, another single Jewish girl. And that's kind of like the idea is we, you know, we've realized like the, the apps are all horrible, which is funny because I have the biggest crush on David Yaris from afar, but um, who invented J-Swipe. But we realized there's like no way to actually meet very people. specific crush. <laughs> the inventor of J-Swipe. Okay. So what's yours? Quickly. So basically the idea is if you like your friends, you're going to like like theirs. And we just try to like through the Jewish geography and Jewish networking, bring people together and host just like in informal without actually saying it's a Jewish dating thing but like everybody kind of knows what it is yeah it's just a once a month happy hour what's it called get together the underground jewish dating ujds the underground jewish dating and how do we find it you have to you have to know somebody that's a member (laughs) oh so like if someone here wants they all know you we like find you after the show yeah this this sounds like like a like a nicer (laughs) version of like the irgun you know? And then you blow up a British hotel like, once was, a month just for fun. I was going to say it sounds like Fight Club. I but love it. All right. UJDS, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. All right. Is Morgan Block here? Morgan? Oh, thank God Morgan's here. This is this is actually my favorite. Morgan Block, everyone have a seat. Ultimate Jewish Geography. Okay. So, wait, Where's why is camp? Ultimate... I went to Cayuga. It's not officially. Is it related camp? to Cayuga? It's Cayuga, not Cayuga. Cayuga but, Mark yeah. went to. Okay, so <laughs> according to what we heard about you... You are a gay 25-year-old Jewess who does a very good evil laugh. Yes. Okay, wait, how do you feel about the term Jewess? Jewess. You know, I, I kind of feel how you feel. It's a little weird. I, I but don't coming from it, me, it's not, right? No, coming from you, it's acceptable. Thank but you. if someone else were to, eh, okay. you know. Okay, but the evil laugh, could we hear it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. If people want to find you, where do we find you? I don't know. I'm sorry. That should go on the dating app when you don't get a match. Like, oh. That was amazing. Like, are you, like, on Twitter, Instagram? Like, what's I'm on what's Instagram, M Blocky. Oh, why do you blocky. follow me? I do follow you. <laughs> 
thank we're you. Block, thank likes. you for giving us your laugh. That was thank amazing. You. Thank you. No problem. Oh yeah, get wait, get your tote bag. Okay, Sarah Ader. Longtime the fan. The famous Sarah Ader. The famous Sarah Ader. Oh, you totally are because you write us letters. You've been writing for like since episode four and we're at episode nine. You're a friend of producer Shira Tolishkin. I you? am. I sent you pictures of us from camp from ten years ago. <laughs> God. Now, right now you're studying circumcision. Tell us about that. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm studying it. I'm in uh, graduate school at NYU, and um, I've never thought about circumcision uh, so much before, but I ended up writing a lot of papers on the topic, um, starting with the question of um, what does circumcision say about women's role in the religion? If women are not circumcised, how are they part of the covenant? Um, and then I had a son eight months ago, you might remember from the show that I was yes. very excited going Malta. out after having that baby. Our last live show was Sarah's first outing after the baby. It That's was, right. and it's been on my bucket list to be on uh, Unorthodox, and I was so excited that was going to be a part of the show, and then you cut it, and oh. I was not on the show, Whoa. so there's high stakes for this. Noah. That's on you. <laughs> it's on Noah Levinson. Um, but it was a very, very difficult experience for me to have this perfect baby boy who was born and nothing was wrong with him, and then I paid someone to cut his penis for no apparent medical reason just for this religious reason. And I'm looking into, A, what the Jewish community outside of the Orthodox world is doing, um, what liberal Jews are doing, what unaffiliated Jews are doing, um, and also what um, some people think about this. Um, do they think that, that it's covenantial? Do they think that there are gender issues? Um, I have a lot more questions than answers. So I, I have a question, too. Maybe you could answer. Um, we celebrated a couple of weeks ago a very important Jewish holiday, uh, Amazon Prime Day. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Sophia Oesti, uh, Tablet's great intern Woo! who's here today, wrote this amazing piece of all the weirdest Jewish shit on, on Amazon. And one of the things that she found is there are, and I swear to God, I'm not saying this to be like risque or like, this is like a natural description of fact. You could look there it up on the article. There are training kits for morals. Uh, it's basically like they should a train. You want them to go on your son without with, training? Hold on, with like torso <laughs> with like with like a baby penis, right? And there, there is a uh, a kit that you could buy. It's like a white baby penis, and it's one hundred and ninety six dollars. And then there's a black baby penis, and it's four dollars more. Why? <laughs> you know, that's a question I should have I should have prepared for. I should have yeah? seen that one coming. That's your next scholarly paper, <laughs> Sarah Ader. How do we find you? How do we find out more about what you're writing? Um, sure. Uh, I am on Twitter, although I find my personal Twitter uh, presence very embarrassing. I can't delete it because Lin-Manuel Miranda follows me and wants to direct message Ooh. me. Oh, yeah, and that's no. the only reason I still have it. But you can follow me on Twitter or you can email you can me. can never wash that cheek again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> at uh, Ader. that's A-E-D-E-R, at Gmail. All sorry, right. Sorry we've much. been calling you Sarah this whole time. Sarah. Sarah, thank you so much. All right. And wait, Sharon Kessel's not here? Oh, bummer, because she fosters seeing eye puppies. That was actually going to be like... That was like on theme. She's actually the best person in the world. Um, Shira, Alyssa, do we have any more business before saying goodbye to these nice people and schmoozing with them and having doing shots with them? No. We have a giveaway. I think we should have the giveaway. Yeah, talk about the giveaway. Um, So we have... This came from a listener. This is why you No, this came from Noah's mother. Noah's mother, Debbie Galan, who's been editing our show for the past few weeks, came with yet another present for us, and we want to give it to you. This is a Gal Gadot... collector's item. ...action figure. Mark, who will win this lovely item? I actually think the winner of this item will be whoever has a birthday nearest to today. How about that? Can we do it that way? We're going to play Jewish Geography with Gal Gadot. Oh, that's so, like, right. When we were in Toronto, we like played the game Who Knows Drake? Like who actually knows Drake? And we got Nobody like does. a few like, oh, my sister went to prom with right. someone who, Nobody went, could who prove knew it. him. All right. So the closest person here to Gal Gadot. If you've met a friend who went to summer camp with someone who was once in an indie movie with Can Gal Gadot. Can anyone make this case? Anyone? Okay, Who's that wins. There we go. There you have it. It's topical. <laughs> I just want to get that on the mind. You need to ever say that. And I also want... We need to get you to say I want her to say the friend's name. I want to really be able to establish lineage here. Because <laughs> we're going to check. Yeah. And All right, so, so why do you deserve this? My friend was her commander in the army in Wingate. Your friend who? I'm blanking on her name. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you well, know you... what? That'll be on your conscience, but enjoy <laughs> the action figure. 
All right, we're. Uh, do we have any Mazel Tovs this week as a final act for these no, nice people? No, I got people? nothing after we this. We got nothing. My Mazel Tov is to all of you for being a wonderful Same audience. Here. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. out. Um, we, we are. Oh yeah, Alyssa. Alyssa's gonna. Alyssa Goldstein, wonder producer, is going to do a Mazel Tov this week. I just want to. Give a quick mazel tov to our colleagues at Tablet, some of whom are here tonight, who are really supportive in oh, yeah. helping us put this show together. So I see you, Wayne, Gabe, Rosenberg, um, Morty Landown, our intern Sophie, our editor Alana was here. Thanks, guys. That's Wayne, Gabe. Wayne, Gabe. Look at them now. Yep. Everyone. See you tomorrow. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're coming in late. <laughs> Thanks. So um, I just want to say that uh, they, the JCC was book culture was kind enough to come out and sell. They'll be staying after to sell my book and Liel's book, but most importantly, Harun's book, um, which like but seriously, just just buy just it. buy don't, it. Like, don't ask questions. Just buy it. Read it. It's, it's really amazing. terrific. It's a, it's a wonderful read. I say easy read as a compliment. I mean, it's just accessibly written and beautifully written. And um, you should you know do him the honor of, of buying a copy. And we'll also be here for hugs and shots and selfies, selfies and whatever. So the last thing I have to do is. Um, do the closing credits after which it'd be wonderful if you wanted to applaud you'll you'll know because I'll say shalom friends uh, okay let's see if I this is so embarrassing the closing credits is like you no matter how many times you do it you always feel like you're playing announcer like it never feels you never inhabit the role Mark you love it I do but I still feel like I'm faking you know Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine on the web at tabletmag.com. Write to us at unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Our producers are Alyssa Goldstein and Shira Talushkin, and our show is edited by Noah Levinson. Our wonder intern is Sophie Aresti. Our music is by Golem. Rabbinic supervision this week by Rabbi Benny Zippel. Kosher slaughtering by Anthony Scaramucci. We record at Argo Studios, which just can't find a train that'll leave Penn Station. But tonight, we've been recording at JCC Manhattan, for which we'd like to thank Amanda Crater and Megan Whitman and Book Culture for coming out to sell stuff. And for all of the events at JCC Manhattan, go to jccmanhattan.org. We are going to be here for a few more shows over the coming months. We're proud to be part of the Panoply Network. Shalom, friends. Yeah! Hi, Dad. <laughs>